It's Wired, the Pistons podcast, presented by Chief. Here's your host, Matt Derry. It is another week of Wired on Pistons.com, and wherever you get your podcasts are right here. Matt Derry with you. Thank you for listening and joining us here. A new week talking Pistons basketball. We are past now the trade deadline. It has come and gone, and the Pistons have made a couple of moves. I'll get into what those moves were, what it meant for the team, and we'll talk about it with Fox Sports NBA analyst, longtime NBA guy, and a guy that's covered the league for many, many years. Chris Broussard will join me momentarily right here on Wired. Thanks for joining us. Brought to you by Jeep. Pistons have added a couple of new guys and subtracted a couple of guys from their roster as they get ready for a Friday game against the Knicks. That's when we're recording this podcast here as Detroit looks to get back-to-back wins over New York and three straight wins. And they're still in this thing, still in the playoff race as now the trade deadline is passed. And it's kind of interesting. People are asking me all the time, you know, Matt, uh, are the Pistons buyers? Are they sellers? We had Ed Stefanski right here on this very show a couple of weeks ago. He wasn't sure, and I think after the trade deadline, which is now come and gone, I don't, I don't think Pistons fans still know where this thing is headed. But you know what? Detroit has, has maintained both ownership with Tom Gorris, players, coaches, that they want to make the playoffs. And you look at it right now, the Pistons are just a game and a half back of seven as Charlotte at 26-28 and 28, and Miami at 25-27 and 27 are tied for that seventh spot right now. Brooklyn looks like they've got that sixth spot, not saying wrapped up, but getting Karis LeVert back to go with uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, D'Angelo Russell. They're in six right now, but the Pistons at 24-29 and 29 as we record this thing. And going into Friday night's game against the Knicks, they'll have at least one new guy for sure, and that is Svi Mikhailuk, who has made his way uh, into a two Auburn Hills for a practice on Thursday and will be in uniform on Friday. Svi now comes over from the Lakers along with a second-round pick in exchange for Reggie Bullock. And Reggie put out a really nice tweet uh, on, on on Wednesday thanking everybody, thanking the city of Detroit for the opportunity that he got. Certainly Reggie is going to get paid this summer as a free agent, but it likely wasn't going to be here with where the Pistons are contractually with other players, with guys under contract like Langston Galloway, John Lohr for next year, Reggie Jackson, and the, and, and the like. Uh, it was going to be very difficult to retain Reggie Bullock, and, and I like this move. And a lot of people are going to say, well, how could you like a move where you trade your best shooter in Reggie Bullock for a guy that couldn't get off the bench for the Lakers? Well, number one, I watched V play a lot at Kansas. And at 6'5", he's bigger than people think. Uh, He's a very good shooter. He's a guy that is extremely skilled offensively. He played for Bill Self, so he played in a lot of big games, played in a Final Four with KU. And I think he's got a little basketball in him. Now, as a second-round pick and a guy whose really best basketball recently was played in the Summer League, it's going to take some time for him to adapt. And yes, the Lakers were looking to win. They added LeBron. They've got a young team around LeBron James. And Speed didn't get a lot of minutes. But I think if he gets an opportunity here and can play alongside a guy like Blake Griffin and guys in the post like Andre Drummond who can kick out to him, I like Svi a lot. I'm a fan. And I like the fact that at 21 years of age, he's kind of a raw talent, a second-round pick that will get his opportunity to play here and hopefully knock down some shots. He'll be part of the future here. If not, he'll be gone. He's on a very you know, friendly three-year rookie contract for a second-round pick. And if it doesn't work out for him, no skin off the noses of Ed Stefanski and Malik Rose in the front office. That's a good thing. The one thing I really like about what the Pistons have done here at the trade deadline, they have not brought on 
any long-term contracts or anything that will continue to have them in cement shoes when it comes to the salary cap. They tried, at least reportedly, tried to peddle Reggie Jackson to Memphis for Mike Conley. That deal did not go through. The Pistons kept their first-round pick, which I think is a positive for a lot of you, especially if they can get in the lottery and gulp, actually get some ping-pong ball, uh, ping-pong ball luck and, and get into the top three or something like that. The other move, of course, that the Pistons made was picking up 21-year-old Thon Maker. He of the Milwaukee Bucks for the last three years was drafted at age 19 by our good buddy John Hammond a few years ago in the top 10. He had a pretty good rookie year and played a little bit in his second year, but this year kind of buried on the bench. Thonmaker's big issue, if you watch the Bucks play, is uh, needs to work a lot on his hands. When he gets the ball down low, it's not like Chris Weber, where the ball just stuck to his hands, whether Weber gathered and scored. Maker had issues catching the basketball in the low post and in traffic. What he can do is shoot the three and is a guy that can stretch the floor as well, and he's a seven-footer, and he's raw, and again, under contract for a couple more years on his rookie deal and is somebody that the Pistons can take a long look at. Of course, they traded Stanley Johnson to Milwaukee. Uh, the trade has not been official, uh, made official yet, at least at the time of this recording, because a third team got involved and Stanley on Thursday got shipped from Milwaukee to New Orleans as part of a uh, Nico Miritich deal. So Stanley Johnson spent about five seconds in Milwaukee and now is going to New Orleans. Stanley, another very young player. Uh, the Pistons liked him. But again, and I understand the fans that say, how could you trade your two best wing players, uh, Bullock and Johnson, and yet say you're still going for it? Well, this team was five games below 500 with them. The inconsistency from Stanley Johnson and the fact that he was going to be a restricted free agent this summer and maybe not a guy that the Pistons could afford to keep or wanted to keep. Um, you, if you're Ed Stefanski, senior advisor, you've got to get something in return for these players that may be leaving this summer. And I know Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson were very close with Stanley, and I know he had 21 points in a game last week. It looked like he was turning the corner, but there was nothing consistent about what he brought to the table. Thon Maker is a better outside shooter than Stanley Johnson. Thon Maker is a guy that, that may be a steal here, needed a change of scenery, wasn't playing in Milwaukee, so I like that they've added two young pieces, both 21 years of age, that they can take a look at. And if they don't work out, and if these are two guys that struggle, they can let walk. Because Reggie Bullock and Stanley Johnson were likely going to walk too this offseason. A real pleasure right now to be joined by Chris Broussard, now of Fox. You see him on FS1, NBA analyst, and all over the place. And, of course, on the radio side, too, at night with Rob Parker. Chris, thanks for a few minutes. Hey, man, it's always great to be on with you. Brings me back, what, about 20-something years? Yeah, man, the old Cleveland days. When we were in Cleveland, yeah, 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 How back. How's, uh, how's things in L.A. for you? It's good. I'm loving Fox. Uh, my own Fox Sports 1, of course, with Undisputed with Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp and The Herd with Colin Cowherd, Lock It In, and, and uh, First Things First in New York. And then Rob Parker and I have the radio show, The Eye Couple, on Fox Sports Radio, so everything's going well. You can't beat the weather, so um, I got no complaints. Chris, uh, let's talk quickly about the Pistons here, and, 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 and I, don't, I wouldn't say inactivity at the deadline. They made two moves, obviously, smaller ones, getting Svee from, yeah. from the Lakers and, and Thon Maker. What do you make of where Detroit is right now with this franchise? Well, I like those moves. I mean, Svee can shoot it. 
Um, I think that's something that the Pistons need uh, because you kind of, the way they're playing, I mean, you kind of got Blake being a playmaker. Obviously, he draws a lot of attention, can get to the rim. And uh, same thing for uh, for Reggie. So, um, and then uh, Thon Maker, look, he's a guy that uh, I'm not saying you're going to see great things out of him, but Stanley Johnson obviously was a disappointment. And Thon is a guy that, you know, a lot of people feel has a lot of upside. He couldn't get off the off the bench for much of the time in Milwaukee. But, you know, he's kind of a project. But I, I thought the moves were okay for where the Pistons are at. Uh, they got a long way to go. They, uh, you know, their financial situation isn't the best. Uh, their style of play, because your best two players, Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, you know, aren't really – the best fits for today's NBA. But, um, you know, I think they got to go for the playoffs. I know they're in ninth right now, but um, it'll be, you know, what they haven't been in, what, about seven years? Oh, d- double digits now, yeah. Yeah, is it double digits? Yeah, so getting to the playoffs for them would be a win. And I got to be honest, it, it should be a huge disappointment if they don't because obviously that bottom of the uh, Eastern Conference isn't very strong. When you look at Detroit and how they're built, obviously the Stan Van Gundy model did not work like you talked about. Heavy, heavy, beefy contracts with, with Blake, who's been unbelievable here. Uh, Andre yeah. Drummond, who some people feel is a superstar and some feel isn't. Uh, obviously Reggie Jackson. and now, you, I, I guess, Chris, with, with Dwayne Casey and Blake Griffin, there's, 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 some, you know, there's obviously some guys there that have some cachet which you can build around, but it's the other pieces after that second and third tier pieces that are probably going to push them into the playoffs, right? Yeah, no question. Because as you said, Blake is playing well. Drummond does what he does. And I think they need to, you know, you have to play to your strengths. You know, a lot of teams want to shoot the three ball all the time now and play up and down and stuff like that. But every team isn't built for that. And the Pistons are built, and, and Dwayne's doing a good job, but, you know, Blake is a different sort of player. He's not the new age type four man, uh, even though he can handle the ball and he's shooting the three better than he has in the past. And, and you got Drummond. So I think you have to try to utilize that and get physical with these teams and, and power up some teams and maybe slow it down some too. They have to, the best team that Detroit's going to be is playing to their strengths, not trying to play like some of these other up-and-down teams uh, and win games that way. So I think Dwayne is a good coach. Obviously, he was successful in Toronto, and um, he's got to just find a way to mesh these pieces together. Talking to Chris Broussard from FS1, uh, joining me here on Wired, the Pistons podcast. Matt Derry with you, brought to you by Jeep. All right, Chris, when you look at where the Pistons are and you look where other teams are, people will say, oh, they have some contracts that are that are unmovable. Yeah. Yet we, we just saw the deadline. You know, somebody took Tyler Johnson off the Heat's hands and <laughs> and, and saw Marcus Gasol, obviously, obviously his contract was moved. There are GMs out there that are willing to take on these deals, right? It's amazing what went on these last couple days. Yeah, I, I've learned after covering the league for about 25, 26 years that you can really never say that someone's untradeable. Now, we look at John Wall's contract. You look at Kevin Love's contract, and those are certainly close. And it'd be hard to see somebody taking those. But you're right. I mean, there's always someone. Because a lot of times, though, it may have to be 
your problem for their problem. You know what I mean? So um, it's going to be a challenge for them to dig out of this financial hole that the previous regime put them in. But, you know, as Stefanski and the crew, they knew that that was the case. And I think, you know, look, you don't want to hear it if you're a fan, but their, their, their ownership has to be patient with these guys and recognize where they're at and give them a little time to build some consistency and to, you know, open up some financial flexibility so they can really make a big improvement with this team. By the way, you mentioned before uh, Svi Mikhailuk, who, who will play Friday night uh, here in Detroit. Why didn't he get minutes in L.A.? You're closer to that, that than we are. And I know he's just a second-round pick, but anybody that watched college basketball over the last few years saw him at Kansas. The kid could play. Was yeah. it just a log jam there? And, and, and these second-rounders take some time to develop, don't they? Well, and it was a log jam in L.A. Like, you know, it's not – for a coach, and Luke Walton is obviously embattled and under fire out here with the Lakers. They had a good win uh, Thursday night at Boston. But um, it is tough for a coach, any coach, when you have about 11 guys who should play. And, you know, eight or nine of them are pretty much on the same level. And that is the log jam that Svee found himself in out there with the Lakers. It was kind of like depending on – you know, the night and the opponent and what style we thought was best determined whether or not he was going to get the few minutes that he got. Um, it was to, Luke Walton still really hasn't figured out a, a, a really solid rotation. And a lot of that's because you had so many guys who deserved minutes. You saw the same thing with Michael Beasley. When he played, he actually was productive in scoring the ball. But there were a lot of games he didn't play, and I think it was the same thing with Svee. It kind of depended on the opponent, depended on what teammates had it going and whether or not you were going to be able to get on the court because they, they were playing well. So I think that's the situation. But, look, I'm not saying he's going to come out there and, and light the world on fire, but I do think Pistons fans could find themselves pleasantly surprised by him. Let me ask you one more thing about the Pistons, and we'll get into some trade stuff. But but Andre Drummond, in your mind, you know, I think, you know, he felt he should have been an All Star. Was a little bit slighted. Uh, thought maybe he was better than Vucevic, and obviously, guys think they're better than other guys. But how do you view him? Yeah, I mean, it's he and Vucevic. I think Vucevic is a better scorer, but obviously, Drummond scores fairly well and is a better rebounder. Um, but I think it was just going to be hard to you know, justify having two players from the Pistons when they were, their record was under so, so much under 500 and they're not quite in the playoff race. When it comes to the coaches, a lot of times they look at records. And I think that's one reason D'Angelo Russell, not to slight him because he's, he's playing really good basketball, but that's one reason he made the all-star team because Brooklyn is surprisingly good this year. And so I think that was a big reason. I mean, how, how in the world would you justify taking two guys from Detroit when, you know, they're 24 and 29? So I think that's, that's what hurt Drummond. Tell me about the league. Obviously, you, you've covered it for so many years, but the, the drama and what you can bring to the table on FS1 every day, talking about this league, because some will say stuff off the court's better than on the court. Now, obviously, Thursday night, that Lakers-Celtics game was something else, but... 
Um, you know, is it good for the league that you're having this stuff with Anthony Davis and LeBron and, and fans chanting, you know, LeBron's going to trade you at, at, at Brandon Ingram the other night? Is that good? It is good. I mean, I, I get what you're saying because there are a lot of times where I feel like fans are more into the trade deadline and the acquisitions and free agency more so than they are into the games. Um, and But at the end of the day, what attracts people are storylines. And that's one thing the NBA has better than any other league is storylines and drama. You know, and, and I thought, look, we know – we're, what, 95% sure the Golden State Warriors are going to win the championship this year. But yet and still, it's an exciting season because of all the storylines. We'll, and not all of them, you know, full of drama and negativity, but in addition to the Anthony Davis situation now and that soap opera, now you got Kyrie Irving. What's he going to do? You got KD. Is this his last year in Golden State? You've got Boogie Cousins. How's he going to fit in with Golden State? you got Russell Westbrook going for a third straight year of averaging a triple-double. You've got James Harden, you know, doing stuff that we haven't seen since Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, I could go on and on. And these storylines, when you have an 82-game season or in baseball, a 162-game season, and there's so many other things to attract a person's attention on television and and all of that. And, you know, I, I think that storylines are what get fans. That's what draws them because the game is one of 82 or one of 162. And so what's going to make me really pay attention to it day in and day out? Uh, yeah, the hardcore fans, they're going to watch it just for the joy of the game. But those casual fans, or you can turn the casual fans into more serious fans, are the storylines. And, I think that's one reason that the NBA is at least as popular as ever, if not more popular than ever, because there are so many storylines that that draw people's attention. Last thing for Chris Broussard here from FS1, of course, Fox basketball analyst as well, covered the NBA for a long time. All right, so here in Detroit, obviously, there's been some big misses when it comes to drafts, uh, you know. Luke Kennard's now going to have to play a big role, but that should have been Donovan Mitchell. We go on and on, Devin Booker, right. everything else, um, uh, and Stanley Johnson. But you look at Milwaukee, they drafted Giannis, and that was our buddy John Hammond who did that, and now he's gone. But you know, okay. Dallas gets Luka, now there's there's hope. How, how I guess when we look at the draft and now the Pistons will have their first-round pick this year, how, how vital is it that they hit on that? Because it just seems like the people that draft are the people that are winning. Yeah, there's no question, especially a, a market. And I, Detroit's obviously not really a small market, but it is, you know, not viewed as as sexy as some of the other places of Miami and things like that. And you mentioned the teams, Milwaukee. You can look at Oklahoma City, which has Russell Westbrook, who obviously they drafted. They had KD, who they had drafted. Um, the smaller market teams that are in the running or in contention have kind of done it by the draft because most of them aren't going to be a free agent destination. And so it's huge. And, you know, you look at Detroit, it's very unlikely that they get like a top pick, but you can get top players, you know, later in the lottery or even later in the draft, you know, later in the first round. So they've got to be smart with that. And again, you've got a new regime. Uh, we'll see what they do, but it is imperative especially for a, a market that's not a glamour market to hit on the draft. So that's 
that's big for Detroit this season. Yeah, I, I was looking the other night. John Collins, I think it was the 17th pick a couple of years ago from the Hawks. He's really good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no question. I mean, you know, of course, Draymond was a second-round pick. Uh, Clay Thompson was what? The tw- number 12 pick, I believe. Uh, you know, you can go on and on. You mentioned Donovan Mitchell and, and some of these other guys. You can get a top player later in the draft. Doesn't happen every year, but it happens. And so that's what Detroit has to hope for. Right now, it looks like they'll be, you know, kind of lower lottery. But you can get a good pick in the lower lottery. Was it good that they passed on and on making that Mike Conley deal? By the way, I like Mike Conley. I do. I, you know what? I do think he would have been good for them um, with Blake Griffin and and uh, Andre Drum. Like he is one of the better players of this era who's never made an all-star team. Um, He's not quite what he used to be, and that's probably was – I don't know exactly why Detroit, it didn't get done, but maybe that was part of the thinking. Um, But I I do think he would have been one of the better point guards in the Eastern Conference. So I can't – I'm not going to say that was a great decision not to get him, um, it is another move that would have, you know, you wouldn't have had, it wouldn't have given you any financial flexibility, that's for sure. But um, I, I can't say that. I think they would have been a better team with Conley. Chris, uh, pleasure, man. So much fun talking again. Thanks. All right, my man. Later. Chris Broussard joining me here on Wired, the Pistons podcast, presented by Jeep, talking NBA trade deadline, Pistons moves. Very, very interesting stuff from Chris and and. and I promised you when we started this podcast up a couple of months ago, we were going to put the heavy the heavy hitters on the Brian Windhorse and we'd have Ed Stefanski on, John Barry, Chris. We're going to get as many of those experts on and have them talk Pistons, so you guys can hear from them uh, and get their reaction. And 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 Chris is so right. Um, you know, the Pistons are in a spot right now, and we talked about it in the open a little bit that you 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 question kind of what what the next move is going to be. And I think they're in good hands with Ed and, and with Malik Rose and Pat Garrity in that front office that they're going to figure out what that direction is. What's going to happen the rest of the way? Do they make the playoffs? And if they get in somehow, maybe win a game or two or, or, or make a series out of it in the first round with Milwaukee or Toronto or whomever and then figure out, all right, next year we got to build on this and we got to get creative. Um, and if they don't make the playoffs, all right, got a lottery pick. Can they make a move? Can they make a trade that maybe they maybe they couldn't have made uh, at the deadline and make it again in the summertime? Because you know Conley would be up again, and and the Pistons reportedly, uh, you know, we're looking to move Reggie Jackson. We'll have to wait and see on all that. But uh, love getting Chris's perspective certainly here on this special trade deadline uh, edition of the podcast Wired. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Chris Broussard from uh, Fox and FS1. We'll do it again next week for you, everybody. Go Pistons.